God, it's a, it's a small group tonight, and I'm okay with that. It's people here that are uh, diligently seeking after you and, and want to be here and want to know more about who you are. They want to seek your face tonight. God, I pray that you would speak to us. God, that we would um, we, we'd walk away with a better um, idea, better knowledge of who you are, God, and what you mean to us as we just reflect on this Christmas season. God, we love you and praise you. And everyone said... Amen. So we're going to kind of continue on this uh, idea of the Advent season. Last week we talked about uh, this whole idea of light, and we talked about natural light and miraculous light and all these different kinds of lights and, and what that means as far as who God is. Uh, today we're going to kind of look at um, a scripture verse that talks about Jesus and, and who he is and um, kind of foretelling of his birth. We're going to talk about um, this idea of Jesus' names and, and who he is. And Names are pretty important. Names are something that give you a specific identity. I mean, they, they, it's kind of who you are. You know, this is Adam. You have a name. That's who we refer to him as. This is Nathan. You know, this is Zach. And we have names. You know, if names weren't important, then when you were born, you would get some kind of number like Terminator. You'd be like T-1027, you know. But names are really important. And so you know, um, you know, I'm sure most of you, you know, your parents put a lot of thought into coming up with names, but names really give you an identity. You know, they make you an individual and that's how you, you know, respond and people address you. You know, in the Old Testament, um, you know, a lot of people were given names with, with specific meaning. You have Adam back in creation, you know, and Adam, um, which was kind of from the term uh, Adama, which means uh, earth. Is that right? Where are my notes? Yeah, which means earth, you know, and, and different names have different meanings kind of like that. And I've been struggling as I tried, you know, Julie's pregnant and she's doing about three months. And, you know, we've, we've come up with a, a handful of girl names that we like, but we can't think of any guy names to save our lives. And sometimes we'll think, I'm not going to name my baby Adam. I promise you that. Uh, I, pr- I promise you right now. Um, it's just not going to happen, you know, but we've been, we've been thinking about names and every time I think I kind of have a name I like, I look at the meaning and the meaning isn't cool enough. Not that, you know, like, I, <laughs> what's that? You're going to put your bid in for Tim? I don't know. We'll see. You know, and I want something cool. Like we like Caden because Caden means battle. Like that battle me- is sweet. That's a tough name. It's really cool. You know, we've been looking at different names and, you know, they'll mean something like, you know, soft-hearted. And I, I mean, that's nice, but I want my, you know, if it's a son, I want him to be like, you know, I want it to be cool. And so we've been looking at different names. We like uh, Brielle for a girl. I have no idea what that means. I like Gage for a guy. And I don't know what that means. But in the Old Testament, most names had a specific meaning. Um, there was often times in the Old Testament where people were given names uh, when they, their status changed. You know, when, when uh, God came to uh, Abraham to... Um, make a covenant with him. He kind of changed his name from Abram to Abraham and uh, Sarai to Sarah. And that kind of marked a different uh, time in their life. And I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I wouldn't really like if, you know, my name got changed like that. You know, there was obviously, you know, Paul went to Saul and, um, I'm sorry, <laughs> Saul went to Paul and uh, you had, you know, Simon was changed to Peter, you know, in, in, in Matthew 16, when Jesus is giving him the keys to the kingdom and you know, I probably wouldn't like it if, you know, there's an event in my life and I had to, you know, someone change my name. Like, you're no longer Matt, you're something. I mean, I, we all kind of like our name. I, at least I like my name. It's kind of grown on you. I wouldn't like to just change it. Um, y- you know, there's times 
in the Bible where people named uh, for certain things. For example, you know, Solomon meant peace, and that was named after uh, the time where there was no wars during that time. And you had Joseph, if you remember Joseph, uh, he was kind of crapped on as a kid, and his older brothers, uh, you know, threw him away to slave, uh, into slavery. And he named his, uh, one of his, his sons, uh, Manasseh, which means uh, a gesture of forgiveness. It literally means causing to forget. And so he named his son Manasseh, which t- told his brothers that, hey, I forgive you. And he named his son after that. So names were, were pretty important, you know, and, and they're real important to me. You know, I hate, it's a pet peeve of mine when people, um, you know, it, it, I guess it, it, if they don't know my name, it's not their fault. But, I, you know, you would agree. People, you like when they know your name, right? You know, you, you like it when someone calls you by their name. And, you know, uh, me, I hate it when people call me by my last name, like, hey, Shimotero. You know, to me, that's always kind of like a sign of disrespect. And I, I mean, I call some of my friends by last names. That's what they prefer. And that's kind of their nicknames. I think, you know, Alan Hoxie, we call him Hox. That's, he's cool with it, you know. But that whole, you know, calling by the last name, it always for some reason happened to happen in sports. Like I think of like a gym teacher calling you by your last name to try to put you down. Do you guys, can you guys picture that? Like, hey, you know, Garibaldi, why can't you run more laps? Or why can't you do more push-ups? It's kind of a negative thing. All right, so names are real important to me. Um, you know, my name's real important. Um, uh, when me and Julie were dating, one of her cousins said, you know, like, I don't think I want to take the name of my, in my husband. And, you know, she asked Julie the question. She was like, well, you know, I think I'll take, I'm like, yes, you will take my last name. I'm like, I would not, I'm like, I, if a woman wouldn't want to take my last name, I would, I would dump her. That's just, that's just what I told her. I said, that's, that's what I would do. I said, that's kind of, my name's important, you know. That would be like saying, you know, my wife saying, well, your name's not really important to me. My name's more important. That's kind of be a little bit disrespectful. So names, uh, you know, have a importance in a lot of different ways. They kind of identify, you know, who we are. And we, we, when we come to the Christmas season, it presents us with this um, entire season that we can kind of identify with God in certain aspects. You think of, you know, calling God a savior. He, you know, the savior was born and he has that name. And you think of Emmanuel, which means God with us. And it's this name that God gets during this Christmas season. And uh, I want to look at a verse tonight uh, that lists kind of Jesus' names in regards to um, Jesus um, as, as the savior and as this child that's being born. And so in this Christmas light. So if you guys have your Bibles, I want you guys to open up to Isaiah 9, uh, verse 6. All right, I'm going to read it in just a second. And Isaiah is written hundreds of years before Jesus is actually born. And this is kind of a prophecy of who Jesus would be. And it's going to give him some names. I think it's up on the screen. We're going to read Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 through 7. It says, for to us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and, uh, and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And so right there, hundreds of years before Jesus is actually born, you see these names given to him. And we're going to kind of tonight go through some of these names and we're going to kind of examine them. And I'm going to share some kind of stories about what that 
name is meant in my own life and how I can identify that. And tonight, I don't want you guys just to kind of listen uh, and give you information so that you can use it later on in life. Tonight, I want you guys to participate with me. And as we discuss these names, I'm going to be challenging you to think about how it's been true in your own life. And at the end, we're going to spend time worship and we're going to reflect on what these names mean. That's what we're going to do tonight. So I need you guys to participate with me. So we get in verse six and the very first name there is wonderful counselor, a wonderful counselor. And, he, and go to study this and, you know, in the, uh, you know, the Hebrew language, they actually didn't have very much punctuation. So the Bible isn't really clear whether that was supposed to be wonderful slash counselor or wonderful counselor. But it really doesn't make too big of a difference because if you're saying he's wonderful, I would assume that applies to everything else that he's doing. So to say wonderful counselor is probably okay to clump that all into one. So it says wonderful counselor. And as we, you know, you, you, you read the Bible and I'm assuming most of you have, you know, you, you, you get this theme that wisdom um, is at a pretty high premium. I mean, it's something that's really sought after. It's, it's talked about in an extreme high regard, Okay. In Proverbs 1, 5, and Proverbs is mainly written by Solomon, who the Bible says is one of the wisest people who ever lived. It records this book of just wisdom and counsel and, and understanding. And it says this in verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 5. It says, A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Okay? And again, that's just one of those examples that... that just states that wisdom is at just at a high premium. It's something that we all need. And in our society, counsel is available anywhere. I mean, you can go watch, turn on TV, and you get counsel from Dr. Oz. You can get counsel from Dr. Phil. You can open up your iPod, and you can get counsel from Siri. And you can be like, Siri, you know what? You guys know what Siri is, right? Yeah. If you don't know what Siri is, Siri is the little girl on the iPhone 4 that just came out, and she talks to you. You guys really don't know who Siri is? Raise your hand if you know who Siri is. The older, maybe the younger kids can't afford an iPhone 4, but it's, it's a big thing. You, you talk to Siri, Siri gives you jokes. Man, that totally bombed. I'm really disappointed. But anyway, Siri is this little thing in the iPhone that, that talks to you. And so if you didn't know, you can ask your phone for counsel, and there's, there's, there's counsel that you can get there. I mean, it's readily available. You really, you, you talk to Siri and you say, Siri, you know, remind me to, when I get home to, you know, unload the dishwasher. And when you get home, it knows you got home and it tells you to do that. And you can ask it questions, what it should eat for lunch, and it'll give you suggestions, all that kind of thing. But counsel is everywhere. And it's not necessarily bad. The Bible says to go seek out wise counsel. But I think a lot of times we tend to uh, go to these things first. And we don't go to God, even though the Bible clearly says that he, or Jesus, that he is the wonderful counselor. I, I, I want to share a story with you um, about a friend of mine. And it's kind of a sad story. Um, I grew up with him. He was actually one of my older brother's friends, but I hung out with him quite a bit. And uh, he moved away, so I didn't get too much contact with him. But, you know, he, he had been dating this girl since high school, you know, fell in love with this girl. And I had found out, uh, you know, just through some friends that he had cheated on her and that, 
you know, they were probably going to get a divorce. And I was pretty shaken up by it. I mean, if he was a really good friend of mine that I grew up with. And I'm like, you know, how could this happen? You know, he kind of grew up in church and had a good relationship with God. And I didn't really know much about his situation, but I'll never forget, we were working on putting the stage and I was up on the ladder and he called me out of the blue. And again, this is my older brother's friend. I knew him pretty well, but you know, he hadn't really talked to any of our group for, since this happened. It's been about a year. And he called me and he said, hey man, I just want to, can, can I talk to you? And I was like, about what? And assuming that's what he wanted to talk about. And that's what it was. And I, you know, I said, John, hey, I got to go. You know, I really got to talk to my, my buddy here. And, uh, you know, I met him in my office and we, we talked probably for about three, four hours. First thing I did, I said, you know what? Um, you know, friend, I said, tell, tell me what happened because I know from a person, from a person, but tell me what happened. You know, and I said, okay, I, you know, I understand. Um, not that I agree with you, but I understand, you, you know, that it, most people are saying you're an idiot and they, you know, unless you fix your problems, they're not going to talk to you. But I, I understand that everyone messes up. And one of the questions I asked him, I said, um, I don't think anyone here knows him. His name was Justin. And uh, I said, Justin, um, what, who, who did you go to, to counsel when you made this decision that you were going to, to cheat on your wife? And I knew the answer because when you make a decision like this, you don't just do it one day. You kind of weigh your options and you decide that that's what's best for you. But I said, who did you go to for your counsel? And I knew the answer was probably going to be his dad and his brother because those are people who were really close to them. I also knew that those people weren't really Christ followers. And he told me, you know, I went to my dad and brother. I said, I knew that. He said, how'd you know? I said, well, it's, it makes sense. I, I see what your decision was and I see what your counsel was like. And I said, you know, what did they tell you? And, I, and, and I, he said it and I said, I, you know, I already knew that. He said, well, how'd you know that? I said, well, a typical person who doesn't follow Christ is going to tell you in, in their counsel, do what's best for you. Do what makes you feel good. Do what is going to make you happy. And if you're not happy right now, you got to get out while you still can. And you need to, you need to do what makes you happy. You're too young to stay in this relationship and let it ruin your life. And I said, Justin, that was pretty stupid counsel, you know, and that's always going to be the opposite of what God tells you to do. You know, you, and it's always funny. People will, will ask me like, what should I do in this situation? You know, I prayed about it and I'm not sure. And he was saying these words like, well, I prayed about it and I'm not sure what to do. I'm like, dude, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. God is not going to be like, well, maybe you should cheat on your wife and dump her. No, it's pretty obvious what you should do. But there are other times, you know, and, and there's been times in my own life where, you know, I've needed counsel. And there's been times where I've, you know, thought things in my own head and I've just been sure that this is what I wanted to do. You know, there, there's the girls in the past, I'm like, this is the one, this is the one I'm going to fall in love with. And, you know, before I make any of these kind of decisions, I'd pray about it and, you know, God would say like, no. And I remember being so angry uh, with God being like, well, how can you put this person in my life and how can they be so perfect and blah, 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 blah you know, how can that not be the person that you want for me? And, but I've remained faithful to him. And I remember specifically, Julie's not here, so I'm not earning brownie points. But I remember, you know, that was one of the, these, those big times in my life where I put so much prayer into that. And he just confirmed it. And he says, yes, you need to pursue this girl and you need to, to marry her. I had no idea why. I didn't know that I was going to be a 56 pastor within, you know, a year and need, you know, Julie to come help me. I had no idea. But that was one of those areas where I, followed his counsel. Um, 
you know, and even last night, you know, I've been putting so much prayer uh, and just thought into this ministry, you know, now that John's gone and where do we go from here and what our next steps are. And for the first time in my life, I'm actually like staying up at night and waking up in the morning thinking about this ministry and, and where we're going to go, you know, and, and seeking God counsel is just so, um, I can't tell you how real you know, God is when he speaks to you. And and Julie was just letting me know, man, I just spent time praying for you last night uh, at Fringe, she had said. And I said, you know what? That's just amazing because I was talking with some of the other leaders and for the first time, I feel like we have some clear direction. So that was just some examples of God's counsel. You know, when we think of God's counsel, you know, a lot of times we don't like to go to God maybe because we know what he's going to say. But guys, I can't tell you it enough that, I mean, God, he cares about you. He knows you. He's interested in you. He wants to counsel you. Okay. So as we, as we look at this Christmas season and, and then we have Isaiah saying, he is the wonderful counselor. I want you guys to think about tonight, maybe some areas where he's given you counsel, where you've put things to prayer and you've really understood like, man, that's God speaking to me in this or that direction. I want you guys to think about that tonight. As we move on and Isaiah he says, you know, Jesus is going to be the wonderful counselor. He said he's going to be the mighty God, mighty God. And, you know, that could be a pretty bland relative term, mighty God, strong God. When I think of mighty, I think of like a superhero. I think of like Thor or, you know, Iron Man or Captain America, one of these new Avenger guys, all these movies have been coming out. And all these guys, I think of someone mighty, I think of they have like, they have superpowers or they have some kind of strength or they can lift you know, a certain amount, and their power kind of gives them this ability to get the job done. It gives them the tools that they need to, um, to overcome some kind of evil or bad guy or alien that's trying to, you know, take over the world or whatever. And I was thinking about, you know, this mighty God, okay, this Christmas season. And obviously, you know, a lot of times we think of cute little baby Jesus, and we don't think mighty God. I mean, that's you know, I, I think of lambs and the hay and the nativity scene, and you don't really think mighty God in that picture. It doesn't really correlate. So I wanted to give you guys a picture of um, of a mighty God. And it comes out of Revelation. I want to read it to you guys. If you guys have your Bibles, I want you guys to open up to Revelation 19. And you have to understand, you know, Revelation is, is written by John, and it's this vision he has, and he's recording this vision, uh, something he received just in a time of, of, of worship, just, you know, going after God. And he has this vision and he writes it down with such vivid imagery and um, descriptive um, images. And, and uh, when you first read Revelation, it can be like, whoa, that's weird. I don't understand any of it. But when you really start to look at what it is, um, and study it, it's pretty powerful. So I want to read, if you guys have uh, Revelation, I want, I want to read it to you guys out of uh, 19, 11 through 16. This is, um, this is just an example of uh, Jesus' second coming when uh, he's going to come and deliver the righteous people and he's going to judge the wicked, all right? And so it's just it, it depicting uh, Jesus in just a, just a mighty way. So it says this, I saw heaven standing open, And there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. 
He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Can I get an amen? And I love in my Bible, King of Kings and Lord of Lords is written in all caps, you know, and if we write in all caps today, you know, you say, my bad, I, you know, shift key was on. I didn't mean to say that. That's, it's not a good thing to do to write in all caps, but there's no apology here. This is pretty emphatic, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And when I read that, you know, it kind of freaked me out. I'm like, you got this picture of this mighty God on a white horse with a robe dipped in blood. And, and, and you can look at that and you can be like, well, this is kind of weird. Like, what are we reading and what are we believing? And it's just symbolic, you know. You can be like, oh, blood, yucky. But, you know, blood, what does that signify in the Bible? You know, it signifies atonement. It, it, it signifies Jesus' sacrifice, coming back for those who, who, um, who are righteous and that atoning um, sin, and that's the kind of mighty God that was born into this world in that Christmas season. This mighty God who, who's shown with a, uh, not in a nativity scene with the hay and the goat, but this mighty God who's on a horse with a sword coming out of his mouth. And just, you read that and you're like, dang, that's a mighty God. That's a picture of the God we serve. That's the, the warrior king God that maybe the Jews expected 2,000 years ago but didn't get. And that's a picture of his second coming there. And I begin to think in my own life, you know, I mentioned to you that when I think of mighty people, I think of superheroes that always, you know, are saving the world from aliens or an evil guy who hates people or whatever. And I thought to think, you know, it, what in my own life did I need saving from? And, and in this Christmas season, I just, you know, it reminded me of what I needed saving from. The sin that I was in. And I, and I hate, you know, I've seen preachers, you know, I don't like when they, you know, think about who you used to be and they kind of make you feel bad. And I don't want to do that. But at the same time, I, sometimes I think we need to, to, to recognize God's might. We need to remember what he's done in our lives. And I can remember my own life, you know, beating my head up against the wall because I was trying to save myself by doing things my way and, and, and just, you know, dealing with sin on my own without getting help from people and confessing it to God. And, and I can look back and see, what, when was God the most powerful in my life? And it, it's that time where he saved me from my sins. And I want you guys on this you know, Advent season, this, as we look back and we read the words of Isaiah, and he said, Jesus will be a mighty God. How has he been a mighty God in your life? I want you, you guys to be able to think about that tonight. Isaiah's words go on and he says, um, wonderful counselor, mighty God. He says, everlasting father, everlasting father. And you get to this part and you might say, okay, wait a minute. How is Jesus the everlasting father? Because isn't God the father and how is Jesus the son of father? And you get a little bit mixed up there. And I, I don't really want to do an entire, you know, theological um, lesson on the Trinity, but I want to explain it just a little bit here and help you guys understand what this everlasting father is all about. You know, Jesus has always existed. 
You know, I've talked to people uh, many, many times and, 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 you know, Jesus didn't, wasn't created at his birth, okay? Jesus has always existed. John 1, 1 states, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. And so Jesus has always existed. He was there at creation, okay? But still, that still doesn't explain why we're calling Jesus the everlasting father. That doesn't explain that part, right? So I want to explain it to you guys this way. You know, who would, who, who would you call George Washington? He was the founding father of the United States of America. Do you guys know who the founding father of our church is? Pastor Mellish, Dr. James D. Mellish, who he's got his uh, plaque right on the outside of the gym, started the church at, I don't know, 12 and Hoover area, I think. And in his basement, that's where this entire church started. He would be the founding father, okay? Uh, John McDonald, I suppose, would be the founding uh, father of Element. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I don't really have any more founding father ideas, but you guys get the idea. And so as you look into this translation of scripture, it says uh, everlasting father. And you look at the Latin Vulgate, which is one of the earlier manuscripts we have of uh, our translation of this. And it, it says that it kind of literally translates. Um, where am I in my notes? Okay. Yeah. It literally translates to like uh, father of eternity. So, not necessarily he is a father, but he is the father of eternal, eternity, all right? And so basically what that means is um, that God, as Jesus comes, he is the, the author of our salvation. That's another uh, name that we've given him. And so he's the father of that uh, eternal, um, of that eternal, what's the word I'm looking for? sacrifice, that eternal atonement, that forgiveness, all right? And so he was the father of that. And that's how we, we kind of read that translation there and understand. And so it's not, I don't want to, tr- you know, confuse you guys with the, the Trinity and, and father and son and all that. But I love that term father. Father is so descriptive of who God is. And I know some of you um, might have crappy fathers. Some of you have, might have fathers that aren't in um, your life's too much. So sometimes it's hard to make that correlation to uh, God as a father, and that might not be too big a, a deal to you. I had a pretty, well, I, had, I have a pretty awesome dad. Um, you know, obviously he's not perfect. Uh, I don't think there's a perfect human dad, but, uh, you know, my dad's pretty cool, and he's taught me some things that I can look at and say, you know what, you're not perfect, but this is what a good dad would be like, and this is what I can see in Jesus that, that, makes me look at Jesus as a heavenly father and as a good thing. So if you look at a good dad, there's a few characteristics that make them uh, amazing. Um, the first one is compassion. All right? And I want to kind of read that to you. You know, compassion is suffering with another, painful sympathy, a sensation of sorrow excited by the distress or misfortunes of another. So, you know, my dad has had compassion on me. I can think of, you know, I was probably six or seven and I was watching TV in my living room and I was sitting back and I had my feet up on the TV and he told me numerous times to put my, you know, put my feet down and I didn't listen to my dad and I began to kick the TV and it flipped off and landed and broke and my dad was pretty upset. Um, I remember like, oh snap, like you know when... There was no getting around it. My dad saw it. I had, he had already told me not to do it. And if you know my dad, how many people know my dad? 
Uh, this is a handful of the older people that know my dad. You don't want to make Carlo mad. And, and he's a pretty calm guy, but when he gets mad, it's not good. Um, and, and so I just remember, like, I am dead. And I'll never forget, I remember, uh, you know, I had to go to my room. I was grounded. I was crying. I didn't think, you know, I thought he was going to beat the snot out of me. That's, what, that's his words. He used to always say, I'll beat the snot out of you. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget just thinking, oh, like, I am dead. I am in so much trouble. And I'll never forget, he came in. I was, for some reason, I, I got grounded in his, like, my parents' bedroom and not my own. I don't know why that was. Maybe my other brothers were already grounded and that room was taken up. But I remember him coming in and thinking, like, I, I didn't want to look at him. Like, I wanted to hide. I wanted to, like, get under the bed because I was dead. And I remember him just uh, going in and he, he just said a bunch of good and plenty, which is what like, kind of like, you know, how people have their candies and, and good and plenty was my dad's candy. And he set it on the bed and walked away. And I remember just being like, what? You, you're so, he was so ticked at me, but at the same time, you know, he, he had compassion on me, even though I, I, he was mad at me and I was being punished, you know, he was suffering with me. He had sympathy towards me and he was, he gave me that candy to tell me that, you know what, I still love you and I'm still with you. And that's, that's kind of a sign of what God the Father is like. He has compassion on us. Second one is uh, commitment. You know, as we look at a father, um, you know, I wish I would say that kicking the TV and breaking it was the last stupid thing I ever did, but it wasn't. And, and I've shared my, some of my testimony with you guys, but it wasn't too, too many years back where I screwed up pretty bad and, and uh, uh, rightfully so. My dad was pretty angry with me and, you know, this was way worse than breaking a TV and did some pretty stupid things and kicked me out for a little bit. And, you, you know, I, I thought, you know, for, it was going to be quite a while before you know, they kind of came around and, you know, forgave me for what I did. And no, no sooner than like two days later, he calls me up and I'm not, you know, I wasn't living at home at the time. And he's like, you got to go to work. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I thought you hated me. And he's like, you got to work. I, I got a job for you. I'm like, okay. And so I'm like, so where do I, where do I go? And, you know, he told me where to go. And I started working with him just a couple of days later. And it was just that showed that commitment from my dad. He was like, I, I you know, you, you need to work, right? I'm like, you don't have a job. I was like, no. And, you know, he gave me work and it's just a sign that, you know, no matter what I did, he wasn't just going to give up on me. He was staying committed to me. And I think that's a clear picture of what our heavenly father with his everlasting father looks like. So we have one more. As Isaiah writes, um, it's this, this idea of the, the prince of peace. And uh, it's this last one. And, and as we look around in our, our world, and you guys are probably pretty aware, there's not a whole lot of peace that we see going on. You know, it's, it's, we hardly live in a world of peace. You know, we have wars and we have, you know, Occupy Wall Street and we have protesters everywhere and we have... Um, you know, all these just pressures going on around us, just pressures to succeed and pressures to live up to reputation and to get good grades. And, you know, we, we have so many things that can stress us out in life. And in our country, the common belief is that if we're going to experience peace in our life, we have to have the absence of conflict. Like if, if the wars will stop and we re- redistribute the wealth and that everybody has a fair share, then there'll be no more conflict anymore. 
And that's kind of the belief that we have. But that's not really the kind of peace that God's talking about. That's not the peace that is mentioned in the Bible whatsoever. It has nothing to do with the absence of conflict. It's really talking about kind of an inner peace. You know, this, this peace that comes upon you when you are assured that God's in control. And I want to read one of my favorite verses of Scripture to you guys as we kind of uh, begin to close out looking at these four characteristics and these four names of God. If you guys have your Bibles, I want you guys to read or open up to Matthew 6, uh, verse uh, 26. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, Matthew 6, verse 26. I'm going to read just that verse out of the NIV, and then I'm going to read uh, out of the message because the message goes crazy in this uh, particular uh, part, and it actually sounds really good. <laughs> the message version is like twice as long as the regular version. You know, a lot of times the message just... it's pretty much the same, a little bit different. The message is not even close to what it says in the regular one, but it's actually pretty neat. So uh, verse 26 says this. It says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And the basic gist is this. Jesus is talking and he says, Look, guys, the birds don't worry about what they're going to eat and they're just fine. You are way more important than a stinking bird. I mean, you are more important than a pigeon and a crow and robins and you're way more important than that. Don't think for a second that God isn't going to take care of you. And I kind of wa- want to read the message version and I want you guys to listen to this because like I said, it's pretty awesome. It says, if you decide for God, living a life of God worship it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it really makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but you ever seen color and design quite like it? The, pe- the 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Uh, Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. And I love that version. It just, it, it, it talks about how silly our worrying is. And it really talks about what the peace of, of God is. You know, I can remember as I respect, re- reflect in this, this Christmas season, times in my life where, you know, I've had things to, to worry about. And, you know, uh, it wasn't too long ago when I was, uh, you know, roofing full time and, uh, that was a pretty tough job, and I was dating uh, Julie Grassi at the time, and 
you know, I, I really wanted to get married to her, but I didn't make a whole lot of money and I didn't know where I would live and I didn't know what I was going to do for a job. And I, but I told her, I said, look, you know, I, I'm studying to be uh, a youth pastor. And what a youth pastor is, is this guy who preaches to teenagers. And I kind of explained to her what a youth pastor was. And I said, generally what happens is I, you know, I'll, I'll train and I'll study and then I'll probably get called off to some other place and we won't be able to live here anymore. Are you going to be okay with that? Um, and she said, yeah. And we just began to pray. And she'd always ask me like, are you worried? I'm like, no. And she'd almost get mad at me like, well, how come you're not worrying? And I'm like, I don't know what I, I, I'm staying true to what the Bible says. What by worrying about it, it's not going to change any of my, my situation. It's not going to make it any better. So why worry about it? And, and man, I've just been blessed to have that peace of God, this, this Prince of Peace, uh, just so evident in my life as I've begun to just trust him, you know, and it wasn't far uh, after that, we, you know, we just kept praying and praying and praying um, about, you know, just what God's will and just trusting God that he would take care of us. And, you know, it wasn't too much longer where, you know, John called me in his office and says, I want you to be a junior high pastor. And I was like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, I never thought in a million years that, I, you know, that I would, would have an opportunity to, to be a part of, you know, the staff of this church. And, you know, not too long after that, you know, a house became available. And my parents were like, yeah, if you guys get married, you can live in that house. And all of a sudden, everything was just, just, just like the Bible says, was just laid out and my needs were met. And I almost kind of miss that sometimes because, you know, when you're dependent on God and when you're trusting God, you, you so much, you, you have to lean on him. And sometimes I miss that um, dependency on him, that desperation. Like if you don't come through, I'm sunk, you know? And obviously I'm still dependent and desperate for God in certain situations in my life, but certainly not for a house, certainly not for, you know, a job right now and for food. That's, that's taken care of. And so I, I, I commonly miss those times. And so we're gonna go into time of worship. I want you guys to think in your own life, how has God been the Prince of Peace in your life? Maybe he hasn't. Maybe your, your life's been full of worry and maybe it's been crazy and maybe it needs to be. So I want you guys to stand up. We're going to finish out the night in worship. I want to read that verse in Isaiah one more time to you guys. And I want you guys to reflect on it tonight. It's Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. Isaiah, the prophet, penned these words. For to us a child is born... Unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and the band's going to lead us in worship for the next few minutes. God, we come before you. God, as we read the prophecy of who you would be, we can look back and say, that prophecy is true. That prophecy has come to life, not only, uh, God, by be- being born 2,000 years ago, but, but today, 2,000 years after, in our lives, we've seen you counsel us. God, you, you've seen us, you guide our steps. We've seen you, uh, God, be mighty to save. We've seen your power displayed unlike no other in our lives, God. And we don't want to forget that tonight. We don't want to forget that this season. God, we've, We've seen your, 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 your peace just come, up, come upon us. 
God, if we've been able to just trust you. God, and we're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to reflect on who you are tonight. And we could have had a Christmas party. We could have ate gingerbread cookies. We we could have fooled around because it's Christmas time and that's what we do. But no, we're going to, like the shepherds, we're going to come find you. We're going to follow that star. We're going to worship you tonight because that's what you deserve. God, we love you and praise you. Amen. Okay, good. Uh, before service, I was I, I kind of talked to Matt how I really wanted to share a little bit from my heart, and uh, you know I wasn't here last week. Uh, I've been really busy with with work and different things, but um, I just I had kind of I was kind of reflecting back and thinking back on the last couple of years and where we've come from, where we've been, the ups and downs, the good times that we've seen here, um, and the transformation that our ministry has really taken. And I think if we can just uh, as we've talked about all the names of, of God and who he is, um, if we can just really get back to, I think what drove our ministry for so long was worship and prayer. And um, I just want to, I want to spend a few minutes just of independent, you know, maybe, maybe I'm asking some of you to be or step out of a comfort zone, but I think it's a good thing to do. I just want us to spread out a little bit throughout the room. So if we could do that, like I said, just eliminate the fact that there's chairs and rows. Eliminate the fact that we're sitting next to our friends. I just want to spread out, and I just really want us to spend some time just praying and, and some time really reflecting on who God is in our life. And So just do that for a few minutes. And I hear in this place, and I just ask that as we, as we sing songs of worship and of praise of all the great things um, that you are, all all of who you are, the different names, the God, I just ask that we would genuinely look for you tonight here. As sometimes we come into church and we come into services or whatever it may be, and we just kind of we go through the motions. And God, I'm sick and tired of the motions. God, I want to go back to a time where we were pursuing and pressing and and really looking for for who you were, not just in church on Wednesdays or Sundays, but God, a time where we were genuinely seeking who you were and all the things you can be in our lives and all the things you want to be in our lives. 
to water you turn into wine you open the eyes of the blind there's no one like you there's none like you into the darkness you shine out of the ashes you rise no one like you There's no like you See our God is greater Our God is stronger God you are higher than any other Our God is healer Awesome in power Our God Our God Water, you turn into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. There's no one like you. So into the darkness you shine. And out of the ashes you rise. There's no one like you There's no one like you See, our God is greater Our God is stronger God, you are higher than any other Our God is here Awesome power Our God Our God our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome power, our God, our God. If our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? Then what could stand so our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. Our God is greater, our 
God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome power. Our God, our God. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is, then what could stand against? Whoa. Then what could stand tonight we've spoken of not concerning ourselves with the small stuff not letting ourselves get overwhelmed with things that we should know that you have in control you know it's so easy right now a lot of us here in this room probably wrapped up in finals right now A lot of us in this room probably are wrapped up in financial headaches. God, I just ask for peace. I ask for a God-sized peace in those lives. God, I just ask that you would give those the ability to prepare the way that they should. God, I know that it's so easy to get wrapped up in just all kinds of stuff. And let you, who solves all problems, be eliminated from the picture. And God, I just ask for that peace tonight. And I just want to spend the next few seconds in prayer individual prayer. This is a prayer between you and God. Again, you're spread out. And just whatever it is, maybe there's something really small in your life that you've just been putting all kinds of thought into and just not letting God take care of it. I just want to pray for peace. Individual peace in this room. So just take a few seconds. Eyes closed. Just playing praying for peace in our lives.
Everything in life is who you 
climb every mountain I travel the deepest valley to find who you are you you cause the Stones at night, you turn the dark to light. Everything is who you are. Redeemer, that 
ask that maybe tonight maybe maybe we'll look back on tonight and there will be someone a group of people students in this room adults in this room where they they were really able to say you know I had taken for granted I had walked away I had kind of lost my focus mid-December we talked about who you were God you really you you re-triggered inside of me just this desire and this passion to not be ordinary God as I live every day 
whether I be at work, whether I be at school, whether I be at home, God, may I live knowing that I am living for the Creator, the Redeemer, the Healer, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. I'm not just living for some some story that that was so long ago or a guy who lived so long ago but God I am I am living for you who is alive today God I know that you are challenging hearts of adults of students of college students God I know that you are challenging hearts God, I just I want to get to the point in this ministry where on Friday nights when we have 600 kids here, God, that we have 600 students crying the name of the everlasting Father. Because I'm sure that there are students that walk in and out of our ministry, whether it's Wednesday nights, whether it's Friday nights, and they have no idea what it means to have a father in their life. just pray that students here adults here tonight that maybe they will look on this day this Wednesday night and it will be the day where they decided you know what I've been lazy I've been quiet I've been dry I have not woken up every day recognizing or wanting to recognize who God is in my life and who he is and all that he can be God, I'll be the first one to admit that there are days where I wake up and it's just same old, same old, right? God, every day for you, every day with you is a new adventure. God, I just ask that everyone in this room would be able to walk away knowing that they've experienced your presence. God, I I think of the story of where the woman was at the well and she she asked for a drink and, and he said, those who drink this water will thirst again, but those who drink my water will never be thirsty. God, I just ask that your presence, the presence that, that was felt in this room tonight, may it be a small taste of your presence, of your water that you have that can get us through long days, get us through hard days. God, we thank you so much for all that you are doing. God, I I pray specifically for Pastor Matt. God, I just, I know that you're stirring in his heart. God, I know that he has the hearts of so many students on his minds. And so many staff, I'm sorry, so many volunteers. I know that he has so many adult volunteers' hearts on his mind. God, I just ask that you would be his Prince of Peace. That he would know that his plan will be fulfilled. God, I pray for all the adult volunteers that are here on Wednesdays and Fridays. 
God, I ask that whatever season they're in in their lives right now, that they would see that you, the everlasting God, are there for them and that you are having them here for a reason, whether it's impacting one or hundreds of lives. And God, I pray for the student body, both our Friday night students and our Wednesday night students alike. God, I just ask that you would continue to break away from their normal lives. God, I just ask that you continue to move and challenge them. God, as we go tonight from this place, may we truly long for you wherever we may be and whatever it is we may be doing. We ask all these things in your awesome and powerful and great name. Amen. Um, unless you have more, you might want to say another thing. Check, check, check. Is that up? Um, I, I was going to have just Derek close, but just uh, want to say a few things. Man, I'm so... Uh, proud of you guys for digging in tonight as I just watched across the, the gymnasium as you guys were just uh, passionate um, and, and hungry for God in worship, you know, and we can do um, all we can on Friday nights. We can have a thousand kids come. We can be more creative in our teaching and play games that are more fun, but if we're not hungry for God and seeking after Him, and worshiping Him and in prayer, then then we'll never make an impact in our generation. And, and so, um, you know, I look at this as if this doesn't work, then we're going nowhere. And I was just so uh, impressed and just humbled to, to watch you guys dig in and worship tonight. And so I'm so proud of you guys. Um, and, you know, again, as we leave, um, you guys will be dismissed in just a second, but continue to think about who has God, God has been in your life. Uh, in, in those names that we talked about tonight. Um, I just miss you in just a second. I hope you guys have a very, very Merry Christmas. I'll see you uh, this Friday and on Sunday. But if I don't, have a Merry Christmas. Have a great New Year. We will be back January 4th on Wednesday. We're starting a series called Go Big. Um, it's all about getting excited. And uh, I'm excited for it. Uh, Aaron Nitz is kind of spearheading that, that series, and he's amazing. He's pumped for it. Uh, he'll be teaching the pretty much the primary role. Uh, he'll be the primary teacher in that series, so you won't want to miss it. You guys are dismissed. Don't uh, forget about ice skating. We'll see you hopefully. This